If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Party people! What is good? Brooksy, I see you, boy. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Happy Hump Day. Wednesday, January 20th. Myself, Danny Vietti. Along with my co-host, of course, the World Series champ. He's got his jerseys hanging behind him. Will Middlebrooks, how are we living today, Will? I'm good to go. I was just sharing with you my beautiful pictures of uh, my grill art from yeah. last night. A little shish kebab action. So I'm living I'm living life here in Florida, bud. I can't complain. It's a chilly day here, high of 71. Um I really yeah. have no no complaints right now. Yeah, it's it's not anything compared to my Taco Bell I had last night. But um, yeah, sure. So so it's, we got a jam packed episode for you guys today. Uh, we're gonna give you our five most underrated hitters coming into 2021. I think it was a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, we gave you our five most underrated pitchers. So we're coming at you with uh, some hitting action because as Brooksy is a hitter and Bro- and the hitters always get the advantage over the pitchers. But that's another story for another day. Uh, the hot stove is continuing to churn. Uh, Joe Musgrove heading to San Diego for a package of prospects. San Diego continues to make big-time moves. Um, they got you Darvish, Blake Snell. Reportedly, they're still going after Jerkson Profar to try and bring him back. So the hot stove has been quiet everywhere else except for San Diego. But San Diego has been the center of the universe. Yeah, they're the only team really. I mean, not the only team. White Sox are making moves. Mets are starting to do some stuff. Supposedly the Red Sox are supposed to start heating up here soon. They need to. <laughs> They're uh, I feel like the the seat's getting a little warm up there for Heim Bloom to start making a splash. But um, yes, the Padres, man, they're set up for success for like the next three years, in my opinion. Uh, especially next year with Clevenger coming back off the IL from TJ, they're going to be nasty. They're going to be really nasty. And let's not forget that Trevor Bauer's still out there. You know, they they seem to. I wouldn't count them out. We we looked at their payroll. They have room. It just depends on how long of a contract and what the AAV would be. But um, they're definitely in the mix. Obviously, the Mets are as well. So And the Angels, which I projected. Don't forget it. When it happens, just remember I called it. 
Hashtag bow to Anaheim. <laughs> well, yeah, the Padres man. are certainly making moves. And not to mention, they also retained seven top 100 prospects despite getting Clevenger, Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove. Right. They still have the most top 100 prospects in baseball, which is remarkable. Of course, that trade for Musgrove, it was a three-way trade between the Pirates, the, a lot of the prospects heading to Pittsburgh, and then Joey Lucchese going to the New York Mets. So not as happy news, um, of course, from New York. And we'd be remiss not to mention this news is GM Jared Porter uh, being fired and let go from the New York Mets less than 24 hours after a report came out that he had sent over 60 messages to a female reporter, including lewd pictures in that conversation. Um, you'd never like to see these kinds of stories come out. It always seems like there is one every year, maybe even a couple. And um it's tough to see across baseball, that's for sure. No, it is. You never want to see, I mean, anything like this. Call it, I don't know if you call it assault, whatever you want to call it. There's no place for it in the game. And we've seen this in the past with, with reporters and, and front office. You just you never want to see anything like this. And, and the Mets are losing a really good baseball mind in this Um I don't want to talk him up because he's in a bad spot right now and he did as he should be because he screwed up, plain and simple. He screwed up. Yeah, it was four years ago. I get that. There's a lot of people screaming, oh, it was four years ago. Regardless, it came out now. Uh, it's going to you know, look really bad on your organization if you keep him around regardless of when it happened. So they're losing a great baseball mind. He was in the scouting department when uh, I was with Boston, had a lot of conversations with him. Baseball genius, IQ through the roof. Uh, so in that aspect, that's really tough for the organization because they were sitting pretty and they were really making some great moves and they were going to make even more moves and he was going to be in the middle of it. Uh, but unfortunately, you screw up like that, you might not find yourself with another job in baseball. So, Yeah, and all credit, all, all credit to the Mets and Steve Cohen for how they dealt Steve with this. Steve Cohen, I love, I love how he right came out. He's, tra he's, he's transparent. Yep. I've talked to several media members. Kim, Kim Rosenthal was on a couple weeks ago or last week and said, that's what we love about him is transparency because baseball is so hidden behind closed doors. No one wants to let out any information. And Steve Cohen comes out, no press release, anything. Just says, hey, he's gone. Yep. He doesn't fit in here with uh, you know, the values we, we, we have as an organization and the way we're trying to trend as an organization. So he's out. It's a, breath, it's a breath of fresh air. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Not the situation, but what Steve Cohen is doing oh, is a breath yeah, of fresh air. Sure. So, okay, again, I mentioned we have a jam-packed show. I don't want to focus too hard on the situation going on in Queens. That's not really our MO when it comes to the show. We try and keep it positive, try and keep it upbeat. So we will continue to do so despite those um, the, the findings out in New York. We're going to give you our five most underrated hitters going into 2021. Speaking of underrated players, who I think has really been underrated throughout his entire career is Brandon Crawford. He's going to be joining us on the show along with his wife, Jaylynn Crawford. She's a former gymnast at UCLA. Of course, Brandon, the all-star, Gold Glover, World Series champ. The resume goes on and on. So we're going to be have some, some nice company joining us. But first, let's get into our top five, well, top five most underrated hitters heading into 2021. Will's going to give you, he's got a couple guys on his list you probably have heard of before. You but definitely still heard of you, They're still not getting the attention, <laughs> is there? I'm going to give you a, a few guys that maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you have, but they really need to uh, be given the pedestal they haven't been given so far. Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, you, you, the, you mean to start it off? You mean to start this party off? What do you mean to do? 
How do you want to do this? You go. You go. Look, I have I have two guys, really. I'm going to give you one of them here that, I mean, I'll just tell you his name. How about that? Matt Chapman. This kid is a superstar. Yeah. All right. He's a superstar that we don't really know much about. All right. Is it because he plays in Oakland? Yes. Is it because he plays uh, all the baseball fans on the East Coast are going to bed when his game starts because they got to get up and go to work in the morning? Probably. That's probably the case. Um, Oakland's been good the past couple of years, so that's starting to help his case. They're in the mix, the wild card with the division. Um, so that that's going to help him as well. They just said he just settled with the team for 6.49 uh, ARB settlement um, a, a week ago, I believe, which we both talked about. We thought that was an underpay. I think you can agree on that. Coming off hip surgery. He, he is. He's also coming off a tough year. He, he only played what? 36 games, 36 games in 2020 down year. Get that. It happens. He was hurt. What was it? A labrum? His, his hip, he had, he had cleaned out. Yeah. He had a couple different issues, but it ended up having surgery on that hip. Yeah. yeah he'll be fine. I, I don't think that's going to be an issue moving forward. But like I said, this guy in 2018, 2019 posted a 6.6 and then a 6.1 war. Jeez. You're getting over that four or five war in a season. That's superstar status. All right, and I and I know his defense is going to probably carry him. Yeah. He's going to slug, he's going to strike out, but he's going to hit some big homers and he's going to play great defense. He's at third base, so maybe not as valuable as maybe a shortstop or center fielder. But um, there's something to be said about posting numbers like that. He posts uh, six WAR two years in a row. It's ridiculous. You said you thought he was a, a top ten player. Yes, you I stand think, by that. I stand by that. I'll say he's top fifteen. But either way, he doesn't get talked about like he should. And I think it just goes back to him being on the West Coast. If he was in New York or if he was in Los Angeles, people wouldn't argue whether he's a top 10 player. That's, that's right. And Los Angeles, obviously, the West Coast as well. But the Dodgers are on Sunday Night Baseball, Wednesday Night Baseball. Right. They're on TV every night because people want to see them. They have all the superstars, right? And there's no doubt his defense carries him, but he also had a career high despite his average dipping last year and despite his power numbers dipping a little bit last year. He had a career high in exit velocity and barrel percentage and hard hit percentage. He's still hitting the ball hard. He's just not getting quite the results that he let me, was getting. Let me make one more point. Yeah. Playing in Oakland isn't easy. No. It's not. A, even for the – no, I can only speak as a visiting player, but the amenities there are very slim to know. For, for a big league ballpark the food's not good the batting cages aren't nice the locker rooms aren't nice it's just the place is falling apart um it's a ton of foul ground you don't really see the ball well at night there and when the sun goes down the ball goes absolutely nowhere so that's a tough place to play as well so i would really like to eventually see him on the east coast on a big time squad in a park where the ball flies and really see what we can get out of them. Keep them in. Oh, oh, sorry. You're a West coast guy. Sorry. I think you can agree. If you put him on the East coast and yeah. in, in the limelight, he's all of a sudden a much bigger superstar. Yeah. There's no arguing. The conditions in Oakland are crappy for more reasons than one. Uh, yeah. Sewage, you know, you get that, you get that reference. Uh, let, let's stay in the hot corner and we're staying with our underrated hitters going into 2021. I have Brian Anderson on my list of the Miami Marlins and going back to your point about hitters and players in Oakland, you can make the same case for players in Miami. Cause I could mention Corey Dickerson is another really underrated right. hitter in major league baseball. Brian Anderson is who I have on my list 
because he's a guy that just drives and runs. He does. Since he came up in, in 2017. He's really good defensively too. Um, they, they kind of flip flopped. He's played a little bit of first base too. Um, he had 11 home runs last year. That's a pace of 27 and a half homers in 500 at bat season. So that's assuming you, you generally get between 500, 600 at bats in a season. If you stay healthy, Yeah, 100%. he was on pace for around 30 home runs last year. Um, and of course, Miami had a really surprisingly good season. They made the playoffs for the first time and God, I forget how, how long it's been over a decade. Um, yeah. So really good for Miami. And I think Brian Anderson's really been the centerpiece of it all. And I mentioned his defense, how it's really improved. He was in the 94th percentile last year and outs above average defensively. So um, he's doing it with the bag. He's doing it with the glove. I played against him. At, so he was a prospect coming up. I was in AAA. I don't remember which year it was. It was right before he got to the big leagues, obviously. He, he got called up to AAA towards the end of the year, which was in New Orleans. And I remember him coming up. And I think he debuted in AAA against us. And I remember thinking, this kid is different. This kid shouldn't be here. He's already big league ready. You could tell his swing, his swing path, just the way he moved was, you know, top tier athletically. So it was it was cool to see that and then see him have success at the big league level. And to your point, yeah, players in Miami get looked over. They get looked past. Um, look at like Garrett Cooper, like the, those guys, like big pop, um, good hitters. But you just overlook them because, oh, they're just in Miami. They're only there. They're a triple A team. Yeah. You no. Know? No, these these guys are studs, and I think we're gonna. They made a splash last year. That's not a fish joke. That's not a marlin joke. Um, <laughs> don't laugh. Don't laugh. The, the, I don't didn't. Laugh. That was not planned. Uh, that's just. I'm a dad now. Dad jokes just come. They just flow out of me. But um, I think they're good again this year. They have young pitching and young hitters, and mixed in a couple of vets. I think they're going to be good again, and then we're going to continue to look past them until they show us they can make it to the playoffs in a regular uh, structured season. Yeah, that NL East division is going to be really tough. Matt's Very brave. Tough. Who knows what the Phillies are going to do? They added Archie Brown. Phillies, yeah, they're starting to add. Yeah, I was going to say they're adding to their bullpen, which is like their weak point. So, but Miami's young and hungry, so they are. They got some really and good. They're teams. underdogs. When you're an underdog and you feel like you have nothing to lose, you tend to exert yourself more than someone else who maybe has a little more anxiety, a little more to worry about, a little more to lose. Say the Mets, Phillies, higher expectations. When you're expected to lose and you win, it's the best feeling in the world. And and they're going to go for it. They're continuing to go for it. I'm excited to watch them. Next up on our list, who's one of your guys here, it's uh, another guy that people have probably heard of a little bit, but isn't quite getting the attention, right? Yeah, 100%. Xander Bogarts. This kid came up. In 2013, uh, at the end of the year, uh, he played there with me in 2013 in Boston. Watched him hit his first big league homer, and from the first day I spent with him, I knew this kid was special. Um, he puts the work in, man. He, we had a th- our infield coach, our third base coach. His name was uh, Brian Butterfield. He's with the Angels now, or he was. He was with the Angels last year. Uh, I don't know if he's still there, but I mean, Xander was out for early work, home and away, every single every single day and he put the work in he wasn't a great defender coming up and then he really turned him he transformed himself into a great defender um let's dig into a couple of these numbers um since 2017 124 ops plus all right that's tied for the best shortstop in baseball during that span is that good it's decent all right 350 runs created all right that's third best behind lindor and trevor story mm-hmm and but what stands out the most to me is 2014 through 2019, 
he's averaged 150 games a season. Yeah. So that's your shortstop. That's a captain of your defense. All right. He's got to be on the field. He played 56 of 60 last year. So he's on the field. He's producing. He's, an, he's a, what, 290 career hitter as a shortstop. He's, he's got some thump, too. You see him flying balls over the monster, too. He's got some, he's got some pop. Yeah. Um, and he's just a good dude. He's a good leader. He's a, he's a good clubhouse guy. Um, but like I said, all these numbers line up with Lindor and Story, two superstars. Yeah, no, you know I, that. and he he doesn't get talked about in the same sentence as those guys. Yeah, I, I think it's a Boston thing. I think because when he really started coming up, he was surrounded by vets, Ortiz, um, even Pedro, when Rafael Pedroia. Pedroia was his yeah. biggest uh, mentor. Mm-hmm. Pedro, probably still is. I know Pedroia is you know coming to the end of his rope and probably going to lose his roster spot because he's hurt. He can't play. Mm-hmm. I'd be. I haven't talked to him about it, but I'd be very surprised if he tried to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure they're going to make a move there soon to clear a roster spot because they have to make moves in Boston. So, but um, yeah, Bogey's a superstar and he's going to play. He's still young. Yeah. <laughs> he's still really young. That's what, so he, we don't talk about him enough. I think if the last two years, Boston hasn't been great. Last year, they sucked. It's not that they're not hitting though. They led the league. They led the league in hits. So or, no, no, they, they they led the American League in hits last year, right, right, and got last in the division. They just can't pitch. It's to no fault of Xander Bogarts and well, the two best pitchers were out last year, so defensively out. They need to and now, now I'm seeing how how timid and passive they're going to be with um, sales rehab, right? For what? Like just rehab him normal. If he's ready, he's ready. Yeah, you you can't let him miss the first month of the season. Mm-hmm. You're going to fall so far behind. The Blue Jays are going for it. We know what the Yankees are. You can't go. You can't have a bad month. You're not going to. You're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. A lot of question marks with Boston. One of those not Xander Bogarts. So you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. Each of the last three seasons, his at bat per home run has gone up, or his at bat per home run has gone down. Less at bats, more home runs. Right. Um, so. Let's stay in the infield, but let's go to the West Coast because I'm a West Coast guy and everybody calls me West Coast bias because I am. Wilmer Flores of the San Francisco Giants. Um, obviously, former Met, former Arizona Diamondback, went to San Francisco last year. Perfect Farhan Zaidi candidate for finding lightning in a bottle. Guys that don't get talked about enough, guys that don't get the attention they deserve. He brought him over. He had a great year last year. Great year. He's affordable. He had 317. Um, in 2019 and 89 games last year, he hit over 300 again. Uh, or I'm sorry, he hit below 300, but he had a career high in home runs per at bat. So he had 12 home runs and just 198 at bats. So his power is coming together, which is strange because Oracle Park, San Francisco, not exactly known to be I was just a about to ask. park. And you, that is not a, not a great hitter's park. You've played yeah, during, during the day, if the wind's blowing, it, it, it flies. But at night, it's like Oakland. I mean, the, yeah. that marine layer gets in there, and the, the ball just seems heavy. What did you like better, hitting on the East Coast or West Coast? Because West Coast ballparks, whether it's Seattle, Anaheim, San Diego, Oakland, San Francisco, balls tend to die during night games. East Coast, is it the same case? Because you don't LA, Both L.A. teams weren't bad. Dodger mm-hmm. Stadium during the day was a – the ball flew. And we saw it last. Anaheim, I thought, was pretty fair – Day and night. Mm. Dodger Stadium died down at night. During the day, it flew, though. But, yeah, you get over there on the bay, 
definitely dies when the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. The ball gets, like I said, it feels super heavy. Yeah. Well, Wilmar Flores didn't think it was that heavy. He had a better, get this, he had a better barrel percentage than Nolan Arenado and Anthony Rendon. That's pretty good. That's some pretty good company to be in. So Wilmer well, that Flores, has nothing to do with the marine, marine layer. That's just him squaring up the baseball. Yeah. Big barrel guy. Um, he's nothing impressive when you look at him at the play. He doesn't, he's not, isn't scary you as a pitcher. No, he doesn't have like a leg. He's like a down early guy, just point A to point B, put the, yeah. put the bat on the ball. And Farhan Zaidi salivates over players like that. Salivates. Really? He loves them. Last yeah, he kind of just dis- he kind of just disappeared when he left New York. A little bit because remember Arizona, the whole thing where like he cried, like he, he thought he was getting traded, and he cried and all right. that. Yeah. That's like what I remember. Yeah. Have you ever gotten that emotional over a trade release, anything like that? No. 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 I mean, I I was uh, I was bombed when I got traded to San Diego from Boston. Yeah. You know, because I've been in Boston since 2007 when I was drafted. So it was a, you know, sentimental value to that organization. Still is. Still is. Uh, so, but I wasn't like on the, it was an off season. So it wasn't like I had to leave my teammates. When you, that's the thing. When you leave the end of the, the season, you, there's a handful of guys you stay in touch with in the off season. And the rest of them is like, see you in Florida next year. See ya. That's the pros. Last guy on our list, Robbie Grossman. Another Oakland A, former Oakland A, I should say, recently just signed a contract with the Detroit Tigers. He's another guy that, in my opinion, doesn't get the attention because he doesn't get the number of at-bats, because he doesn't hit exactly. against lefties. Exactly why. He's not a great defensive player. Um, he's not going to win any gold gloves out there in left field, but he's a guy that gets on base, which if you've ever watched the movie Moneyball and what Billy Bean's all about, it's like yeah. on base. Yeah, because his average base. isn't high. He had like 240 last year, but his on-base was through the roof, right? Last year, he had 241, 344 on-base percentage and an 826 OPS. So not through the roof, but compared to his on-base – or compared to his batting average, it was high. If, you, if you're looking at 100 points higher than your average, that's, that's good. Exactly. And he had 166 at-bats. So if he's starting, he's getting taken out mid-game because he's a defensive liability – Right. If he's not starting, he's probably getting one at bat because he's pinch hitting for a guy that is facing a righty. Um, so 166 at bats, most players, especially everyday players, were getting which is well tough too. Time. Which guys don't get credit for being a bench player is mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah, because you haven't seen live pitching for, or you've been sitting there on the bench for two three hours, and then they're like, "Hey, bud, grab your bat." I know this guy's throwing 107 with two breaking balls, but. Go luck. get them. Go win the game for us. <laughs> Matt, you know who's really good at that? Matt Stairs. Yeah, I'm surprised you remember Matt Stairs. You're you're a baby. You know you you have to have been in like elementary school when he, Matt Stairs was hitting bombs yeah. for the fields. Yeah, I was, I was young. I'm glad you mentioned old people because we were just talking about this. So Will's Will's garbage truck was just driving by, and he said they're picking up his his loads of diapers. And I responded and I said, I know you have two kids, but let's be real. Those are probably your diapers. This, he didn't this deny is not it. the content people signed up for. He didn't deny it though. That's the problem. Uh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Going back to Robbie Grossman, he didn't have a, a great barrel percentage early on in his career in 2018, 2019, just 2.2%. In 2020, at a career high of 5.5% barrel percentage. So, He's coming along with these new metrics, and I think he's really finding his way. Really good pickup, um, low-key pickup by Detroit. I think he's going to fit that culture 
really, really well. Um, so when other, you say, hold on, when you say yeah. he's coming along with the new metrics, do you think players actually think about I this? Do. I do, especially in Oakland, Tampa Bay. I think I think they get something going through their ear. Some guys, it goes through one ear, goes out the other. I think some guys to a certain extent, guys think about it, but not as much as you would think. We we you're right. At the end of the day, there's still you just kind of got to go out there and play baseball. Yeah, it's it's really tough to think about this stuff, and that's why you're starting to see teams hire like uh, Sam Fold was with Philly in 2018. I think he was as well last year. Uh, The bridge between the analytic group. Yeah. in the players. So he's basically there to dumb it down. Um, I just saw there was someone else that Shelly Duncan. Mm-hmm. Former Yankee. I don't remember what team it was. Do you know what team he just got hired by? I do not. I remember his anyways, career, but anyways, he got, he got, he's doing the same thing. He's doing the same thing. And I think you're going to start seeing that throughout the game as guys being able to dumb down these stats for players, not because the players are idiots, right. but because they, don't fully understand. I don't fully understand it. I've been trying to figure it out for three years. I, it's tough. There's a new stat every month. I feel like, and so it's like take what you need. But at the end of the day, like these guys just need to go out and play. If they better themselves in the cage and their approach and all that, like the the, the stats and the metrics kind of take care of themselves. Yeah. It's not like man, I'm gonna work on my woba this off season. <laughs> no, dude. Hey, bro, I want to go to the cage. We can work on our, our um, you know, our expected batting average and expect <laughs> every every line exactly. drive. Like, like bro, exactly. that's a really like, good line that's drive. What, that's what I meant. Like, players don't really think about it that much. Like, they'll have you'll have meetings at the end of the year with uh, – you'll sit down with the GM and the manager, and they'll say, like, we'd like to see these numbers higher, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, you walk out of the meeting, you're like, so maybe I need to take a few more walks or right. – Maybe I need to get stronger and hit for more power, but it's not like you go to the plate and like thinking about that stuff, you know? That's where I was going for it, though. You touched on it. I was more so talking about, I'm not saying Robbie Grossman's going up to the plate and say, well, my barrel percentage was pretty low last year. But I, I think he's thinking about getting more barrel on a ball when he's working in the cage. And secondly, okay, maybe you, a little bit more. Okay, but, okay now we're getting into a whole another podcast, but th- say what you just said again. I think he's going into the cage thinking I'm going to try and get more barrel on the ball. At what point do you think a hitter is not trying to get the most amount of barrel on a baseball every time they swing the bat? Yeah. So it's not, there's not, Yeah. he's not thinking that way. The hitters don't think that way of, I need to get more barrel on the ball. No, it's, it's, it's maybe, maybe if that's the case, maybe if someone brings it, his barrel percentages down or whatever, maybe there's something wrong with my mechanics Maybe there's something wrong with my approach where my timing is off. So I'm in between pitches. Maybe I'm early on the breaking ball, late on the heater. So I need to fix my approach. Now I'm dead red. I sit one or the other and I'm able to barrel the baseball better because I'm on time. So it's not, it's not a, I need to go work on barreling the baseball. It's a, I need to work on my timing or work on whatever mechanic it is to fix that number. That or maybe sense. take more pitches to find that perfect. Yeah, maybe thought. maybe not be as aggressive. If that makes sense. If that yeah, makes sense. No, that that cleared it up. That's fair. I'll concede that argument. You don't get too many W's on this podcast, but I'll give you that one. I'll thank you. Since you just told everyone I wear diapers. That I did well, wear I a know. diaper this last. I did wear a diaper last year. I don't know if you saw that. So you're not alone in the diaper brigade. <laughs> I did see that. Uh, any <laughs> honorable men? I have a couple guys that we're we're gonna get Brandon Crawford and Jalen Crawford on the show coming up uh, here in a second. But before we get to them, a couple guys that I don't think get, you know, the the shouts that they should. 
Mark Hanna, Corey Dickerson, Randall Gritchick, Colton Wong, David Fletcher. Those are a couple other guys that I have. I have one. Yeah. And he fits, fits my mold of he's a superstar, but we don't talk about him like he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. Tim Anderson. Yeah. He won a batting title, and he gets overshadowed by Jose Abreu, which Jose Abreu, yes, we, we talked about this. He's a better hitter. I mean, overall, overall hitter. He hits for average and power. Now, Tim Anderson hits for some pop, too. Yeah. And he's a good shortstop. Yeah. And he's got that swag. He's pimping homers, pissing everybody off, pissing everybody off on the other team. I don't know. I like it. I watched this the documentary last night on Ricky Henderson, and it reminded me a lot of Tim Anderson. Ooh, yeah, I like that comp. Very much. Just his swag, and like he's just going to be him, and it seems genuine, and um, he loves the game. He loves his teammates. He loves to play the game. I yeah. love watching Tim Anderson. I feel like he's super, super underrated. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. White Sox offense is going to be special. It's so be- fun. Me a lot. So we promised you five underrated hitters. We gave you at least 10 because that's just who Will and I are. We're just giving people. <laughs> and we're going to give you a... Far and beyond. A far and beyond. Far and beyond. Uh, we're going to give you a great interview. We're going to give you some great conversation. We're going to catch our breasts. We'll be back with Brandon and Jalen Crawford. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. For those viewing the episode through YouTube, you might recognize these two faces. For those listening, you'll surely recognize their voices. Two-time World Series champ, three-time gold glover, Brandon Crawford, along with his beautiful wife, Jay Lynn. Of course, she was a gymnast at UCLA. Appreciate you both joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. I mean, the reason we got connected, of course, was through Twitter. And <laughs> I, I hit up Jalen because I saw it on Brandon's Instagram. And this was actually back in July. But one of your guys' four kids, Braxton, kids got a swing on him. I mean, like daddy, right? Well, it's got to come. There's athleticism on both sides of the family for sure, right? <laughs> who, who, yes. who, I mean, who taught him that swing? He, he kind of picked it up almost on his own, I feel like. I mean, we, we obviously both kind of taught him how to swing the bat, I guess, but he was trying to play baseball as soon as when he was walking, he was swinging about. Where even five. before he was crawling to the ball, like the girl, we had two daughters first, so he was our first son. So we had all this princess stuff and a frozen <laughs> Disney castle, and he would find the one ball in the room and crawl to it. So it started really early on. <laughs> I have I have two little girls, so I, I understand that 
you guys are the first couple we've ever had. So congrats on that. Uh, But at the same time, (laughs) don't screw it up for everybody else. So, I mean, Brandon and I played together back in 2011 in the fall league. That was a pretty special, pretty special group of guys. Um, Anytime Mike Trout and uh, Bryce Harper on the same field, it's, we knew it was cool back then, but they were just babies at the time. I guess we all were in in the grand scheme of things. But, um, from those two guys we played with on that team, who do you think would end up being more special? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they both had so much hype coming into that to that uh, that fall league. I know Mike had a little um, big league time. I don't think Bryce had had any yet. Not yet. Um, but I mean, you you knew that both of them were going to be big time players. I don't know if anybody predicted how how uh, special Mike was going to be. Um, but I mean, obviously they both had great careers uh, so far, and I'm I'm sure they're only going to do uh, more great things. Yeah, I mean, I have to bring up the fact that another great player in this league is your brother-in-law. <laughs> I remember I, I I was talking to Danny about this earlier, and I couldn't remember. I feel like he was in the fall league with us. Was he? Uh, was he he, he was. He yeah, was he okay. Was, was that the first time you faced him? Um. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I thought. That's like, I can't tell you what I had for lunch today, but I can remember that. Um, (laughs) But like, what's it like to, what's it like to face him? Uh, Is it, is it, I know you don't really like to show a lot of emotion on the field. I know that's who you are. And I love that actually. But are you like trying not to crack a smile? Are you like, I'm going to kick his ass or a combination (laughs) of both? Like, what's that like facing somebody that that's family? I feel like there's a, there's a lot of, um, excitement and stuff like that going into that at bat um and just like you you know you're about to go face your brother-in-law uh, i'm sure he feels the same way um but i feel like once once you get in the box it's like okay i'm facing one of the best pitchers in the league i need to focus i need to focus in it's not like oh i'm facing garrett i'm gonna crush him or you know like yeah he still throws a hundred box yeah yeah <laughs> um, you, you just have to go up there and, and compete and battle and and try to treat it like um, like any other pitcher, but like any other pitcher that throws a hundred and has good off-speed stuff. <laughs> right. And it's not fun for Amy or I because we I was both want ask. them both <laughs> to do well. So um, it's kind of hard. Cause, I mean, I don't want Garrett to strike him out because I want Brandon, but we usually like a base hit that doesn't change the base score. Base hit or like a line out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> not a line out now because it's still an out. Yeah. <laughs> At the family yeah. reunion, is it like a Western standoff type thing? Like Brandon and Jalen are walking up and then Garrett and his wife are walking up. It's just like a Western standoff. <laughs> like, yeah, I would love no. that. No, it's not like that at all. <laughs> I think pitchers go to the field a little earlier, especially on pitching days. So we don't really see them before the game, even if we're all there. Well, let me ask you, Jalen, and then I'll ask you this after, Brennan. What's been the most nerve-wracking moment for you during your husband's career? Because he's played in a whole lot of big games, and my fiance has talked to me about my playing days and how she's biting her fingernails the whole time while I'm on the mound. How about you? What's been the most nerve-wracking moment for you for your husband's career? I didn't get to go to his first game because I was in the middle of my master's program and they didn't really travel people to those games at that time. So I was nervous, but I didn't get to even watch it because I was in the middle of a class. I didn't see it till Sports Center that night. I feel like the first game would have been that, 
but definitely the World Series when he comes up with runners on and you just want him to do well because you know he's worked so hard for that moment. But also um, the World Baseball Classic. Mm -hmm. That was so fun. I know there wasn't a lot of pressure to do well or no one expected the U.S. to win it, but um, I definitely was nervous. And I never got nervous for myself when I was competing. I got nervous for my sisters because I couldn't control what they do. So it's kind of like the same for him. Like I, I can't do it for him. So I get more nervous for him than I would if I was competing. But definitely like the big games, like World Series, World Baseball Classic, those ones make you a little more nervous. How about you, Brandon? Most nerve-wracking moment of your career? Uh, game 7, 2014 World <laughs> Series with the tying run on third. and Yeah, um, after Blanco let the ball get by him in center field. Yeah, and then it was fumbled a little bit on the track. And then... <laughs> um, and then a low throw that I had to, to pick that, I mean, just that whole sequence of events. And then Salvador Perez, who's the only one that I think drove in a run off of, uh, off of Bumgarner that, that world series, um, at the plate. So, I mean, I had plenty of confidence still in, in Bum there, but, um, just that, that whole sequence there, the last two hitters was, was pretty nerve wracking. But we know he would have made that throw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> you had lot, you've had honestly, like, I mean, let's see where are we at. We're coming up on ten years, right? Mm-hmm. That's, That's unbelievable. And you've had a chance to play with a ton of good players, and you've had a chance to play for arguably one of the best managers to to do the job in Bochi. Um, and then the changing of the guard and almost the merging of different a different era of baseball. You go from Bochi, who's super old school, blue collar. Uh, just really old school is a way to put it. He was one of the last old school managers in the game. Um, I'm sure he started to trend a little bit towards analytics as things started to change towards the end of his career. But um, And now you have Gabe Kapler, who's very analytical. Um, the organization, every organization, every manager is trending that way because that's just the way the game's going now. So you had a chance to play for both. And I just want to know, as a player who who has spent a ton of time obviously with Bochi and then now transitioning to Kapler, the biggest difference in, in the game now for a starting shortstop? Um, I mean, I think I can only speak for myself um, and not necessarily every starting shortstop because there are a lot yeah. of um, stud shortstops out there right now that aren't necessarily going through the same changes that I am um, at this point in my career. But um, I think – the main thing is the the righty lefty matchup for me being a left-handed hitter um, and not, not seeing as much playing time against lefties um, in this past year um, versus uh, versus Bochi just basically throwing, throwing me out there against everybody early on in my career. I sat a little more against lefties um, except for, you know, like of course I would face like Kershaw and, and John Lester and the big time lefties early on in my career. Thanks Boch. Um, yeah. But he would sit me versus, versus some of the other guys. Where now it's more like um, I'll just face a, a handful of lefties, and um, you know, it, I that's that's the way the game's trending, like you said, and um, you know, I'm gonna try my best to to avoid platoons and stuff like that, and, and um, you know, work my hardest to to be in there every day, no matter who's on the mound. Um, does, does that make you put more pressure on yourself on those handful of at bats against lefties? Like, man, if I get a couple knocks here, that keeps me in the lineup more. 
you know, that gives me more opportunities down the road, you know? Yeah. I mean, as hard as you try not to, and you, you go into each at bat, um, you know, separating each at bat, uh, individually, um, you know, you, you obviously try not to think about that, but you also in the back of your mind know, like, Hey, if I get a hit right here, maybe I'll play the next time. If I don't, I might not. So you end up maybe putting a little pressure on yourself, but, but like I said, I try my best not to. So you guys both could be coming up on a, a juncture in your guys' lives here with Brandon's, uh, Brandon's contract coming up after the season. Have you guys thought about much about the next stop on your guys' journey? Um, no, I mean, a little bit, I guess, but, but not a whole lot. I, I think the, the plan is to, to go out and have a good year this year and, um, you know, hopefully get a team interested for, for next year. Um, to, to play at least a couple more years. Um, I mean, that, that would be my goal, um, but we'll see what happens at the end of the year. I'm sure a lot of people ask, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, um, from my perspective, it's, I want him to play as long as he wants to play and I want him to be done on his terms. You know, when he's ready, I know he gave it his everything and left everything out there and we support him if he wants to continue to play and we'll continue to make those sacrifices to let that happen for him. And then when he's ready to be done home, we come. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think I would definitely like to play a couple more years, I think at least. Um, but you know, those, those few months off that we had um, was kind of nice to be at home during, <laughs> you know, April, May, and June, it was a little different than, than yeah. usual. So. You never know what happens at the end of the year. Home a lot. <laughs> well, has you put much thought into playing elsewhere in San Francisco? Has they have they shown any interest in bringing you back yet? I know there's only so much you can you can share in that regard, but have they shown any interest in extension extending you or anything like that? Uh, no, not at this point. No. Okay. Danny with the hard-hitting questions. Jesus. I gotta ask. I know it's not one of those podcasts where we're just gonna back you into a corner, but. I, I don't know how, I don't know how common, I mean, I guess Yachty could be a, um, an outlier in that, but I don't know how often, um, a 30 going on 34 year old gets a, has early contract extension talks with the, the team that they're on, but. Or only been on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you guys both seen Buster and his family and how they dealt with the situation last year, probably. Altered mm -hmm. your decision making and then kind of looking at your future, maybe that altered a little bit. Um, I don't think. I mean, I I completely understand what uh, what Buster and Kristen um, decided on last year to to um, to take his option basically for for last season. Um, I mean, I completely understand that and support that, but I don't think it would. I don't think it changes our future plans mm -hmm. at all. Well, and they had newborns, so I feel like we may have thought differently if we were in mm -hmm. their position a couple of years ago with a baby coming in and, you know, your family changes everything and staying healthy is so important and no one truly knew how the season was going to go. So we actually usually try to stick around 10 to 12 days without seeing Brandon and we've never gone longer than that. And, um, when spring training 2.0 started, that's what I called it. Um, it was in the Bay Area, not at home in Arizona. We actually stayed back for three weeks 
just to see like if it was actually going to happen or not. So I think the season was so unique that everyone kind of made changes to what they normally do or how they normally plan. So we just supported their decision. I have so much respect for parents during this entire, this last year of COVID. Will and I have talked about it. I don't have kids, luckily, yet. Um, (laughs) Will does. You guys, of course, have four kids. So I have so much respect for everything you guys have gone through throughout this last year. It's it's a handful. Uh, Just from an outside looking in, it looks like an absolute handful. Um, So Brooksy here has a couple rapid fire questions for you guys. Get to know you guys a little bit more. Uh, Quick answers, quick questions. So go ahead and take it from me, Brooksy. Yeah, we got to finish on a, on a strong note here. So, all right. <laughs> the hardest hitting question about first. Between you guys, who takes more pride in their hair? More pride? More pride. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> When's the last time you cut your hair? Because it's always, I don't remember it being like short. Cut it short? Like cut it short or like yeah. cut it short? Like short, yeah. Before uh, our wedding. 2000. 2011 spring training 2011 i think special special flow okay um let's say you guys are going on a little weekend getaway what's one teammate you would not want to watch your kids (laughs) (laughs) current teammate former teammate any any it doesn't matter I don't know. That's a tough question. <laughs> Too many to choose from. Don't make anyone. Don't want to make anyone feel bad. You could just go around um, him and say, "Yeah, probably not him. Not him. Definitely not him." Or, yeah. Or, I'll go with George Contos. <laughs> former. I know George, George, and I and I and I stand behind your 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 choice there. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's see. As a shortstop, I'll let him know that I said that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure you will. Is he? I'm sure. Is he still there in Arizona? He's still uh, no, because he, he did. I think Chicago. Okay. I think he was for a little bit, but he's I've been out of the loop for a while. Sorry. Um, <laughs> as, as a shortstop in the league, out of all the second basemen who played the game, who would you most want to play up the middle with? Uh, out of any second baseman? Ever. If you could pick uh, your, like, Roberto, dream Roberto second baseman. Roberto yes. Alomar is probably one of the best defensive second basemen I've ever seen. So I think that would be fun. That's cool. Cool answer. Um, okay. So you wear 35. Is there any significance to that? Um, so I didn't actually choose my number, but, um, our, our longtime clubhouse guy, uh, Mike Murphy, uh, been with the giants since like the fifties, I think. Um, he, he actually picked it for me. Um, and he, he gave it to me because, um, Chris Spire and Rich Aurelia, two longtime giant shortstops, uh, were 35. So, um, so he, he gave it to me and he, thought it was a cool. good number for me too that's really cool all right this this might be more for wifey uh favorite date night spot in san fran no oh, not san fran <laughs> we don't go out there too much um okay. we loved this little uh, mexican restaurant in walnut creek called la pagada we both like uh, mexican food a lot but that was kind of like our go-to spot and nothing against the city of San Francisco. Like, right. That's we just not, just not where you yeah. were. Right. We right. I get we just don't, when oh, we're, wow. when he comes home, we're not going to like drive back to the city. Right. Because most, we live most of the players don't live in the city, right? It's kind of. Split, uh, huh? Yeah. Uh, I don't more know. and yeah. more. There are some okay. in the city, some in the East Bay, some in the South Bay. Yeah. Gotcha. 
I'm I'm currently working on a piece right now that says Brandon Crawford hates San Francisco food. That's <laughs> hey, well, I feel no. like the way she said definitely not San Francisco. <laughs> it could have came across that we didn't like the city, but it's just that we don't typically yeah. stay. Get to go there much. Yeah. I only have and one we more always qu- have. I only have one more question. It's just what's one thing, and this can be a collateral answer, but what's one thing on your bucket list that uh you you want to accomplish soon? I don't know. I mean, I I think there are are a lot of places we would like to travel um, eventually or go back to eventually, but um, I don't know. I don't know about any specific bucket list thing. Haven't really thought about that. We've kind of done a lot in our 20s. (laughs) We we accomplished a lot in our 20s. So travel, travel. And we've traveled a lot. Yeah. And we would like to continue doing that. I mean, I Africa was amazing, and I hope we can go back sometime and bring the kids there. Yeah. That would be one of mine is take the kids where we went. That's definitely one of mine, too. Okay, I have one more before we let you guys go. Favorite okay. vis- favorite stadium to visit as a player, favorite stadium to visit as a visiting wife? Um, gosh, there's so many pretty ballparks. Like, I think Pittsburgh looks like a postcard. Mm-hmm. And when you're, like, watching, it just looks like you're staring at a postcard it's so pretty um cardinals is really beautiful the padres but like obviously our favorite has been home of the giants like they have such a pretty view of the bay and visiting but visiting i would say i like visiting pittsburgh or um the cardinals yeah i mean the same kind of thing like there there are so many nice ballparks and um I feel like you like so many for different reasons, whether it's, um, you know, looks wise or you like the city or um, maybe special memory at, at one of the ballparks like Pittsburgh's one that I always kind of think about that wild card game. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was fun. Um, but I think overall San Diego is my favorite. Um, just like the, the area around the ballpark, um, the actual bar- ballpark, the playing surface. Um, I, I think that's overall my favorite. I should have known you guys would have said Pittsburgh with your wild card granny. I should have known that, just, that was <laughs> it's weird. Will always talks about how his favorite stadium, which is kind of odd, is Anaheim because the the field apparently the condition. I like the surface there. I mean, yeah. anywhere in California, really. This the the yeah. ground actually San Fran day games the, the infield's really hard. How, how, what, how brutal is Arizona though? Because yeah. I heard the infield in Arizona is pretty fast. It's it more used, the grass. The grass is awful. <laughs> It used to be awful. It's now the uh, field turf, right. so it's it's a lot different than it was before. It's still pretty fast, but um, but it's a little different now. We can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your guys' days. We know you guys have a lot going on with spring training, hopefully around the corner in about 30 days. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time and joining the podcast here. Of course. No Thanks for having thank us. Thank you, guys. Again. Brandon Crawford, Jalen Crawford. He's played in a lot of big games in his career. And I liked how we talked about most nerve wracking moments because obviously he had the wild card grand slam, two world series, the playout in center field in 2014 against Kansas city. He said it was his most nerve wracking moment. Yeah. Let me ask you, Brooksy, uh, most nervous moment in your career, because I have one that I have a feeling you're going to say, uh, how did I, why would you bring this up? Okay. Um, I guessing you want to talk about the obstruction play. Obstruction, tripping, obstruction. Yeah, yeah. Apple, apples. No, it's not apples, oranges. It's tomato. All right. Auto. So, yeah, the obstruction call in the World Series, 2013. Yeah. 
Against St. Louis. With, against St. Louis, yes. So, uh, Jared Salsamakia's throw took me into the base runner, which is Alan Craig. Mm-hmm. I kind of, we kind of, I went into him. My glove went like into his chest as I was trying to reach and catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Ball went past us. We both go down. He goes to step over me as I'm trying to push myself up, and he and he, he tripped. Um, by rule, which I ended up talking to Jim Joyce about this later uh, the next day, and he just said like, "I'm sorry." Like, I'm like that doesn't do me any good. I'm getting death threats. Um, but. Yeah, I was like literally got death threats. Like I lost the game for us on purpose. You know, on social media, you're getting death threats. So like I didn't know where Allen was. I knew he was around me, but I didn't know where the ball was either. Yeah. So I, all I felt was the ball, Allen, and myself got to one spot at the exact same time, mm-hmm. and it just ran into each other. I went down. He was kind of on my back for a second. I felt him like pushing off my back to get up. And I, if you go to push yourself off the ground, your legs kind of come up because you go up on your knees. So that's why my legs came up. He didn't actually trip. If you watch the replay, he didn't trip over my legs. He kicked me like in my butt, like in my hip as he was trying to go over me. He was limping around anyway. He had an ankle injury. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but yeah, I was definitely, uh, I was very confused. I don't know if nervous was the word, um, but confused. And then, you know, you grind through a season with a, with a team and that, that team meant everything to me. We were so close, and that's why we were as good as we were. And I felt like I let them down, even though there was nothing I could have done different. Right. The words – so if, if you watch the replay, you can look it up on YouTube. It's like I run over, run to home plate, and I'm like, have my hands in, this, in the air like, what? Like, what? Like, what happened? I can't, I can't go anywhere. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? And Jim looks me in the eyes and goes, you just got to disappear. <laughs> Just like that. And I was like speechless. So I just walked back to my locker. I didn't even get undressed. I just like stood in my locker and waited for the media to just come talk to me and let me tell my side of the story. All while like, all while like my hands are like shaking. Like, I'm like, holy crap. Like, we just lost a World Series game because of me. So it, Yes, I can look back now and be like, I couldn't have done anything different. But at the time, I was like, how does this happen? Why is this happening? Like, I came in, I didn't even start the game. I came in, like, I had a couple of bats, and then I was, that happened. And that's like, I'm I'm like, a lot of people want to talk about that. So it's an interesting, interesting play. I mean, and then the next night, Colton Wong picked off at first base by Koji Uehara at the end of the game. Right. Like, what? For those that don't remember this play, type in Will Middlebrooks. It's probably the first video that comes up. Either on that or me breaking my leg. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which was, well, they're both like right there. So type in Will Middlebrooks obstruction. Yeah. At least once a week, I get it, some tweet about it. Well, Which, what the hell is wrong with you for not disappearing? You know what? I That was some, uh, that was a metric that I, that I worked on in the off season. (laughs) Barrel percentage and disappearance percentage. That was a crazy play. Crazy play. I'm glad we won the world series and I wasn't the next like Bill Buckner. (laughs) A special thank you to Brandon Crawford, Jalen Crawford for joining us on today's show. Brooks, you joining me for another episode next week. We've been through this, Danny. I'm not letting you do this by yourself or team. All right. I'll be here. Come in. I love it. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Later.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.